0: Hi film fans, how are you? I hope this finds you well. I have just returned from a very small little whirlwind tour of Europe uh, visiting my other half uh, which is very nice indeed. Took in Milan, Bologna and also Munich. Loved Munich. Really want to go back and spend a bit more time in Munich. Found it really good vibes. Good vibes and good schnitzel. Um, Also allowed me to catch up on quite a bit of viewing that I've fallen behind on. One of the things that I've been lucky enough to be sent a few preview episodes of for a reason that you can try and work out yourself is the new TV series Wednesday about Wednesday Addams coming to Netflix soon. It's very good. That's all I'm allowed to say. But just watch this space. Anyway, let's get on to this week's show and thank you for joining me once again for another episode of Soundtracking. It is... A very warm and gorgeous and heartfelt welcome return to soundtracking for our guest this week. Martin McDonagh joins me to discuss his phenomenal new movie, The Banshees of Inisheren. Now, it stars Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell and Kerry Condon and Barry Keown. Now, Brendan, Colin and Barry, I've probably talked about quite a lot on the show. Kerry Condon, I wasn't really that aware of her. I'd seen her in a couple of things. She had a small part in Three Billboards, Outside Ebbing, Missouri, his previous film. But oh my, I went down a rabbit hole of just wanting to watch everything she's ever been in after seeing her in this film. As is everybody else, she is extraordinary in this film absolutely properly fell in love with her. Anyway the film is set in the 20s uh, and tells the story of a musician who suddenly ends his friendship with a long time drinking buddy. That's all I'm going to say because it is quite a hard film to describe as is quite often the case with Martin McDonough films and I think that's a really good and healthy thing because I think it's really healthy to go into films not knowing too much. I try not read reviews and you know when I've got to read production notes and things like that for doing interviews I, I always do it after the film because I just want to go in and let the film entertain me or take me on a journey or take me through an entire wave of emotions so with this film I don't really want to tell you too much about it apart from it is Martin's beautifully crafted unique voice once again in filmmaking and the characters he writes The story that he creates with those characters' journey, the landscape, the colours, the texture, the music of the film, all of it, just for me, once again, makes this an absolutely brilliant film. Uh, And it sees Martin reunited with composer Carter Burwell. And it's with one of Carter's cues from the film that we'll begin Walking Home Alone. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat to us. It's great to have you back on Soundtrack. And I was listening back to our previous conversation, which was a while ago. Yeah. And it's really interesting sort of watching this film and having had that experience of chatting to you specifically about music to really kind of understand how important it is to you. And we start with music. We open with this amazing vocal performance. I've no idea what language it is.
1: Bulgarian, Bulgarian. Thank you. (laughs) Obviously.
0: (laughs) Clearly, set in an (laughs) island, island of Ireland. Of course, it's going to be (laughs) Bulgarian. But um, for this film, where did your both? Where did your thought process on what you wanted for it musically start?
1: Well, I guess I'm always sort of collecting. I think I said this last time. Collecting. Bits of music for, and not necessarily knowing where they'll go. Just like, you know, tuneful things or creepy things or all of that. And then weirdly, as as you're writing something, sometimes that that piece of music comes into your head. Often because it's not what your the usual choice for the opening of an Irish film would be, you know. Uh, So, but but at the same time it could be Gaelic, it, it, there's something weird and, and beautiful about that, that sort of mantra at the start in that song um, mm-hmm. that was sort of perfect but I, did, I always sort of knew somehow, like a year before I played it to the DP and the production designer saying, and acted out this is Colin walking, you know, past the cemetery and this tune is going to be on, we were all a bit drunk obviously uh, but like <laughs> <laughs> Craig and, so I was like acting Colin and blah blah blah, and they thought I was an idiot, but it works. You know, it it kind of works because it's tuneful and it's odd. Now that's the thing that I wanted. I knew obviously that the tune that um, Brendan comes up with and plays was going to be, uh, you know, an Irish fiddle tune. But that's the only piece of Irish music that I wanted in the whole film, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I wanted it to not be to be oh, global would be too too strong a word, or, but but for it for it to be a bit odd and off kilter. So yeah. so using. Um, you know a bulgarian song in that instance i had these i think i told you before indonesian gamelan uh, folk songs that were uh, you know very per- percussive and odd uh, pieces that were on the temporary mix for ages and ages and they mm-hmm. definitely lent it kind of a fairy tale odd like quality too but then it also having like brahms a couple of brahms leader that i loved and very sad ones i kind of hoped yeah. That was another of the couple of things I collected and hoped that could, could work for this. But, but weirdly, so then when I got together with Carter, uh, he heard all of this stuff in the temp mix, but we both, we both agreed that Irish music wasn't the way to go. Yeah. But then it's a the big question of where you go, but some of this Indonesian weirdness, he, he thought, well, that's, that's kind of interesting too. So, so I think he ran with that. All of that Indonesian stuff is gone, but the, the memory of, of um, uh, percuss- percussive, weird xylophone, gamelan-like things uh, remained. Yeah. So he, he wrote a lot on the celest, which is a similar kind of uh, instrument. So most of his, his pieces, which are beautiful and tuneful, kind of almost stem from that weird Indonesian hint.
0: There's a, there's a cue that's almost like a singular note that sounds like it's on a xylophone and it's kind of almost this sort of, it reminded me of so many things actually, one being almost like a, you know, like the, a church bell chime, that kind of, that sort of repetitive pattern almost sort of a thing. Yeah. But it's, it's amazing how emotive something so simple can really really be and how kind of it really cuts through
1: yeah yeah and it's almost childlike too i think the glockenspiel yeah. or, or xylophones have that uh, innocence to them and the story has that innocence too but also a creepiness i suppose and yeah. and, and xylophones have that
0: They were always on the the music trolley at school. I, I remember like
1: when the music trolley would come round at school. I just got go, I just got a sense memory of that. I, I used to love you? seeing those things too. Yeah, the metal <laughs> ones more than the wooden ones. The wooden
0: ones, yeah. Yeah, and it felt like yeah, saying
1: we could play even if well I Absolutely. could play even as an idiot. It's like just bang that and bang that. Um, more than the triangle. Triangle is really for like fools.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's not yes, even an totally. instrument, really, is it? It's not even
0: an instrument. It's just a bent piece of metal. <laughs> exactly, <Absolutely. laughs> but I was it, I was thinking about it because last time we spoke, it's that idea of like almost kind of contradicting what the expectation is of of things, you know. And similarly with with three billboards with that, and almost approaching that like a western. I think was what we talked about last yeah. time. but but with this as well, there, you know, there are so many different things that could inform the score, the narrative, the characters, the genre, the themes, and when you see that opening sort of piece along with the na- the the landscape, it's it's a really beautiful like you say, almost kind of fairy tale type thing in a weird way, because you go, it immediately lets you know that, the, that this environment is incredibly important to the story.
1: Yes, it's yes. It's kind of can...
0: introducing a character to you in a way.
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the landscape of, of, of the island it, it is supposed to be uh, as much of a character as, 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 the, as the leads, really, similar to way in Bruges had Bruges as, as a character I kind of wanted yeah. the landscape and the ocean um to be you know at, at the forefront of this but I think having time and weirdly not having titles at the start allows you to to just look at that listen to the song and see see the landscape I always find if there's a title you don't really concentrate on the image at, at the start of the film mm. so that's part of it but then it makes you really listen to the song or at least to the tune of it Definitely not the words, because I don't know what the hell they're singing. <laughs> Although I know it's called uh, Theodora is Sleeping. And I think there's a, just a repetition of that through, which doesn't really help tell us anything about the film. But is, is, is...
0: We'll find it, though. That's the good thing. Helps us find it.
1: <laughs> Weirdly. So I, I, I had this on the temp score and I played it for, for Carter. And he knew it. He knew it from like Whoa. 20 years ago. He knew it from singing in the choir like 20 years ago. And he weirdly kind of said, but that's Bulgarian. How are you going to have a Bulgarian thing? Like very few people have said, oh, I remember that Bulgarian song. <laughs> um, but, but Carter was... So I had to... There was a little convincing to go on to, to, to have Bulgarian lyrics at the start of an Irish film, but um, we got there.
0: There's, it's lovely the way that music is part of this story as well because, you know, Colin Brendan's character, he's a, he plays the fiddle and some people might know, but Brendan plays the fiddle and he wrote the song that he writes in the film. Yeah. Was that do, was that something that you knew and you you know in terms of that as the for his character or was that something you talked to him about and wrote that into his character or how did that work because it's a beautiful kind of you know, sort of synergy to real life and yeah. within the car for the character.
1: Well, well, I knew I knew he was a fiddle player, so so it, it made sense to write that aspect uh, of his character in, so that all that stuff was based on him. But but the tune itself, I think Brendan a year before we started said, uh, "Will you let me have a go at it, or let me have a try?" And I got worried. And uh, did you? Were you
0: like, oh? Well, no. I thought it was a great,
1: idea, I, I, a great idea, but I a great idea, but one, I didn't want to step on Carter's toes either. And two, I thought it was a great idea, but I was worried if it came out rubbish, <laughs> how you'd tell your lead actor uh, it's it's shit. Uh, Thanks, but <laughs> yeah. So I did say to him, and and it's almost the same thing. I said, it's going to be may the best man win. You know, if you come up with something. That's really good. I'm going to have to break it to Carter. If it's the if Carter wins, I'm going to have to break it to you. And they both agreed on that, and they were both cool with it. <laughs> I think Carter was cool with Such it. A musical
0: standoff. It's brilliant. Yeah, kind it. of, yeah, like,
1: almost like Fiddles the, the at film Dawn. Is, yeah. Um, <laughs> so. And then, like, he, uh, Brendan, Brendan sent it through about three months later, and you're, you know, you're hoping, you're dreading that It's going to be bad, obviously, you're hoping. But it was so beautiful, you know, and it was so exactly what his character would come up with. And that's yeah. the thing, too. It, it's, it's, so he, he, he had that permission, obviously, to, to, to come up with it. But that, in the doing of it, is getting into his character. He is coming up with that yeah. tune. And so when he plays it through, and it's a beautiful tune, and, and Carter was completely cool with it once he heard it. Um, it. Every time he plays it, you know, when we're shooting, it's his tune. It's, it's, it is yeah. from him. And, and so when he there's a scene in it where he says, this morning I came up with this tune. And, you know, technically he did. So all that helps inform character, I think, and, and, uh, and the playing of it, you know. Yeah. And, and even Colin Farrell's reaction to it meanly he says uh it's a shite tune anyway i wouldn't (laughs) i wouldn't go with it um which is
0: probably what colin would say in real life (laughs) anyways
1: i don't think so i think he loves brendan too much that even if it was a bad tune i think he'd say the opposite (laughs) um but but yeah i i love that it could have all gone wrong but it all went went right and 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 like you know brendan now will have this you know this tune he come up came up with for his character forever which is lovely
0: it's funny because I, I I did want to ask you whether you felt like it helped him in that kind of prep for Colm's character, and because it's because the arts and creativity and expression are are in his decision making process as this character in this film. You know, we see this his his house and when Porte goes in and and all these artifacts and things that are around the house that are. That are—it's like stepping into a museum, yeah. you know, kind of, of of kind of tribal artifacts from all over the world, and this gramophone—it's playing a tune and stuff, and it's it's a—it is like stepping to a cultural museum,
1: yeah, you know, very yeah.
0: different to where we are, yeah, and so it feels like that. I wondered if it had informed him and kind of helped him in terms of. What his characters seeking or desperate to be inspired by or surrounded by?
1: Yeah, well, obviously he, he he informed the tune, and we had big discussions about how his the interior of his house would be. Um, I kind of liked the idea, and I didn't know why, of these Japanese masks, these no theatre masks hanging on the wall, kind of kind of mm-hmm. like a throwback or a reference to movies like Onibaba, where there's these creepy creepy uh, skull masks uh, in it. But then you kinda of have to you can't have something in nineteen twenty three Ireland that's that's ridiculous and, and completely mm. out of place, even though you know the image of it will be kind mm. of heightened and, and weird. So we both came to the a viewpoint that he, he as an artist, the, his character is always looking out to the world and would always be, say, in touch with passing ships or pa- passing sailors. He lives above a beach. But every time a passing ship would would, would, would come in, he would say, bring, ba- bring something back from wherever you're going to. I, you know, I, I, I love, I'm interested in the world and world heritage and, and the minutiae of, of, of weird details. So bring something back. So that allows you to, Design the house in a different way to add the masks and the with European puppets and, and things like that. But also is an a, a, inkling into his worldview, which is yeah. open and inclusive, and is part of the reason why the narrow view of what he's surrounded by, in the form of Colin Farrell's character, is is killing his creativity. You know, for someone who just hears the music of the world through his gram- gramophone, sees the outside world through these masks and these puppets, you can see that he's there's a reason why he has to cut off, in, if you're you know, looking at the story from his side, there's a reason why he has to cut off uh, negativity or, or a lack of world openness from the people around him. And that's how the story yeah. starts, I guess.
0: What about the, what is it that's playing on the gramophone? Uh,
1: John McCormack, um, which, you know, it's an old Irish tenor uh, from the, 1910s. This tune is from like the 1920s, I think, but it's very creepy. Like, I, I it's hard to listen to for me. A lot of John McCormack, it's it's quite of its time. In it's mm-hmm. is the best thing I, I feel about it. But but there, there there are a couple of the the one we hear is a very kind of creepy one. So you've got the crackliness of the old 78s and the creepiness of this tune, which is uh, it's a very very strange lyrically too. Mm. Uh, but that. we hear it in a scene where Colin Farrell's character knocks on the door and enters the house. And we kind of said he probably hasn't ever ever been allowed into the house before. So he, for the first time, is seeing these weird masks. And even the the paint on the wall is bright yellow, like a Van Gogh or something. And hearing this creepy, weird uh, song on the the gramophone, it kind of almost sets him on edge it's like who is this mm. man uh, and we should we should feel that too and um yeah but john, john McCormack's voice was was sort of perfect for it and perfect that he's irish too yeah. because again as much as i didn't want any irish you know music over the score it's kind of cool to have a strange irish voice from the time uh, echo through the years
0: I don't want to talk too much about the film in specifically because it's it's not that there's massive spoilers in it, but the experience is just so wonderful and beautiful that I yeah. don't want to kind of yeah sort of that so that I I hope you don't mind that we don't kind of
1: go into too much specific no, things no, no. about it because but let's talk about in Bruges <laughs> instead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, I've still got a few more things I want to talk ah, about because. Damn.
1: Thank the you for that. She, no she spoilers. Got, uh, spoilers is a, is a big thing for me, so thanks for not. Going yeah, into no, that too I much.
0: just, it, and it's also that thing. It's like you know, I, I kind of really try not read anything about films before I go and see them because yeah, I hate being told what I what they think I should think or feel about something. I yeah. need to do that for myself. And so yeah. that's kind of why well, that's we always try... I,
1: and... I even get involved in, in, uh, in the trailer because I, I hate trailers that show too much. And it's a mm. fine balance because even for this one, we probably give away too much in the trailer. I'd always prefer that people not to see it before. But yeah. it's, it's a balance you have to strike between. I guess business and getting people in and not giving too much away but but I, I always have a hand in you know I try to make sure there's nothing from after the first 20 minutes or first half hour in the trailer so at least you have yeah. that.
0: The character Siobhan is phenomenal she is just I mean absolutely brilliant and I think I said this the other night is like you write such great female characters as well you kind of just so sort of fresh and it's just kind of like thanks Ian. yeah she's yeah she's absolutely brilliant and there's there's one particular cue when she's um how can i say it <laughs> she she's made a decision okay, nice. she's made a decision yeah um it's a harp it sounds like a harp and it's like a it's a bit of a. Rec- it sounds like it's a. It's something we've heard before.
1: I've, yeah, I think I think that's part of a, a new version of one of Carter's uh, early tunes, um, but taking it into quite melancholy, uh, yeah, sad, sadder place. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, it broke me. That did. Whew.
1: Good. Yes. Um, well, Kerry, oh, wow. who plays Siobhan, Kerry <laughs> Condon, is, is... So great. I'd worked with her like 20 years ago on, she was in the very first Lieutenant Vinish Moore on stage. So I've known how brilliant she, she is f- since she was like 17 years old. We We did three plays together. And she had a small part in uh, Three Billboards. She works in the office and gets punched in the face. Sorry, Kerry, Um, but uh, less of that in this film. Spoilers. Um, That's a good spoiler. But uh, but but it's kind of cool to have known how great an actress is for like ages, and to to be given room to allow her to show exactly how brilliant she is, and and she just knocked it out of the park. So I'm so. So happy for her and, and she's, she's just amazing.
0: Yeah, I think, I, I think
1: everyone given. will know her name after this.
0: Absolutely, yeah, that's what, exactly. I went down a total sort of wormhole of trying to watch everything that she's ever been in after <laughs> seeing her in this because I was just like, why have I not? She looked really familiar and I was yeah. like, I have. But it's kind of like, oh, I need, I need to kind of watch because she is so great in this film, as is Barry Keown. I mean, just in terms of, you know, talk about a, a young talent who can... Oh, just—I mean, just kind of floor you with everything he's done. I think, however yeah. small that role can be, or yeah. however
1: he's always big sort of, yeah, mesmerizing. Go. He's so yeah. photogenic, and but
0: terrifying he's, as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's played a lot of psychos. He was so good in uh, *Killing of a Sacred Deer* with Colin. Oh, yeah. I remember. But in it, 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 so I knew. I I didn't really know him. I mean, I knew his work from before this, but I, I only spoke to him about it like a year before. But I wrote this for him too. And knowing, I guess, that he'd be open to being... Because he's a very sensitive soul in this. You know, he, he's, he's almost the... He, see, he seems like the dimmest character around, but he actually sort of sees more about what's going on than anyone else. And he's got all these hopes and dreams in him. Um, but he's, you know, a, a sort of wounded character too. But, I, but knowing Barry a little bit, I knew he had access to that gentleness and that um, sensitivity to being completely vulnerable you know it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of heartbreaking uh, again spoiler wise but there's that scene to, at the lake towards the end that uh, even watching it now like just breaks my heart um, yeah when he's with Siobhan so yeah, um, yeah no I, I, I love I love Barry and uh, hope to do mo- lots more with him too
0: great I was heartbroken to discover that the pub wasn't real <laughs> I was ready um, yeah. to book my holidays and go and visit it. It's a pretty and nice, And have a wee yeah. pint of Guinness.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, it was, yeah, we built that on sort of the perfect, most picturesque, picturesque piece of road we could find on Achill Island, that is. But when, when you do that, you, you, part of the whole Irish heritage thing is you have to put the place back to exactly how it looked uh, before you came. So we've done that. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a loss. Um, uh, I
0: think Irish heritage might be rebuilding it to attract more tourism. <laughs> well, I think it to... might be an
1: idea because Porik's <laughs> house on Moor, uh, Collins Harrell House, we had to do the same thing. It's a completely built set, you know, it looks, wow. looks real, this old stone house. But we we'll be, built it so we could look from inside out, you know, we could look through the doorways and see the whole landscape of, of Moor uh and there's that shot at the start where we rise up and see the whole island behind it but again that's gone that's that's that had to literally you can't even bring anything to build it that isn't local that isn't you know you can't just stick some cement down and build a house and take it away it has to be in um, to do with the ecosystem of the island so so that's completely gone and even the field is completely back to how it was uh, Well, that's what they told me <laughs>
0: <laughs> next year you see an advert for it
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. but funny <laughs> enough I think I think because when, while we were filming you know um, a big part of um, Inishmore and the Aran Islands is, is tourism for, for the local mm. economy part So they would take the the tourists, often American tourists, to all of the usual hotspots. But while filming, they would take them up to our Torrix house, (laughs) take their photos. In their defense, it was like before shooting started. So it was very nice. We'd wave and then they'd let us go. But it became part of the tourist trail. So I think they were a little irritated that that was going to be gone and and there are mm. going to hopefully be people who come to, to the the iron islands and Ackle after this as they did to bruges afterwards mm. um to see the locations to see the beauty of the islands but but they're, they're not going to see the the houses or the or the pub so a, maybe, they'll, maybe they'll maybe yeah. they'll do something about it in the future
0: i think they will a couple of quick random things as well was um why a donkey
1: because <laughs> they're so cute
0: But it's not just the donkey, it's the little bell as well. Yeah,
1: that was my idea. You can't have a donkey without a bell. The little bells, just like... And the little red little red bell, yeah.
0: Just gave her so much. I mean, she had plenty of personality anyway, but...
1: Yeah. It just, well, part, yeah, it part, like, part yeah. of that is that we kind of hear her before we see her. So mm-hmm. so I knew we'd like hear a little tinkle, 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 which would allow Farrell, Colin Farrell's character to let her into the house when, whenever she wants to come in. So that's part of the the joy of working with donkeys and bells. Um, I was but, like, I
0: wonder if Martin had a pet donkey when he was little.
1: Was no, like, no, but no, I want to no. now. <laughs> <laughs> don- donkeys are so cute. But then the-, the horse is gorgeous too. The horse has a sort of big part in it too, and the dog. So <laughs> yeah. Um, but but like, see, I think, and this was almost more in the edit that um, uh, seeing the-, the story of this war be- t- between these two idiots. Men through the eyes of these innocent animals, it became mm. what the the film, especially as the film goes on, it's kind of what it's all about. You know, it's this like yeah. we cut to them so many times as if they're thinking, "Why the hell are you doing this?" What's he doing? Like, chill the f out, <laughs> <laughs> Colin, For Brandon, the pub
0: Yeah, go to the pub, have a drink, and just, you'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You can be friends and be into different things. It's all right.
1: Exactly. So,
0: were you on the islands living, kind of existing, whilst you were filming? Was it a kind of little sort of kind of sort of community type thing?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was perfect. Um, we 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 lived on <clears throat> Inishmore for like four weeks. I remember like going for a jog the the night before shooting and coming back jogging back to my and there was a bloke sitting on the wall. I thought looks like a French tourist. He had a headband and his hair was up, <laughs> and it was like, oh shit, it's Colin. So so we waved <laughs> to each other, and it was that small that you would pass each other. On, on a weekend going for a run um yeah and i love that it really gives a community and then so you'd see the crew on the weekends in the same place too it's kind of idyllic
0: great sorry i lost you for a second there but you're back that's good
1: okay it wasn't very interesting anyway <laughs> that's
0: good no i got you. Oh, your back's good um <laughs> what well, couple of the quick things then a couple of minutes left is um with that with you kind of all did you do you play music on set
1: no no not really uh, no, but we, we had like proper musicians in for the, some of those pub scenes um, so they, they obviously played on those days but we, we had sort of recording sessions a couple of weeks before we started shooting and that was during the rehearsal time so we were in Druid Theatre rehearsing but we had a whole proper session and beers and the actors came in to listen to Brendan playing with the uh, musicians in the, in the weeks beforehand so um, that was kind of idyllic too.
0: Is that been a really nice sort of full circle for you? Because is that not the theatre where you first... Exactly,
1: yeah. I had my first play, Beauty mm. Queen of Lanane, 25 years ago. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's so nice. That's a lovely full circle around that.
1: It felt so nice because the theatre has sort of improved and the dressing room, which used to be so freezing, uh, the, the rehearsal room used to be so freezing. is like they have done it up. and it's, But it was literally the, the place where I was 24 and came in and knew nothing. People say I didn't still know nothing. But like it was just this innocent little lad from, from London coming to work with these brilliant, actors and brilliant director and from there like everything you know snowballed and went crazy but literally that room we were back we were back in that same room
0: it's so brilliant to see I mean the film is fantastic and it's so great to see these two but there is something special about these two on screen together yeah. I mean having done you know a couple of things with you guys this week and they're like you know those toys you pull the back out of and let go <laughs> yeah. they're kind of like they're so brilliant together they're just yeah so it's but a g- they, genuine kind of
1: love really yeah 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 they and, just love being and the crazy thing is like it, it took me 14 years to get them back together but like anyone else is free to it's not like i've got some kind of <laughs> rights over them but no one has but they're so good on screen together and so lovely off screen together so i i think it's my job now to not wait another 14 years before please we get them back
0: Please. But did you feel under, not pressure, but because In Bruges was such a great film and it's it continues to just have this life, brilliant yeah. following and life and celebration of it. And, you know, and, and part of that is down to them and, and their chemistry and stuff
1: yeah.
0: of kind of having that, you know, was that in the back of your mind in terms of...
1: Don't screw it up. Try
0: and, no, not <laughs> but, don't screw it up, but kind of it's well, got to it,
1: be different or it's got to be... You know, what, yeah. yeah, but Don't Screw It Up was, you know, there, there is so much goodwill towards Bruges, and, you know, all three of us have people come up to us, you know, every, every couple of months or, or for me, you know, and it's one of those films where you, you had to sort of discover it yourself. It had that cultish kind of reputation. And, and so people who, who, who like it really, really like it as if it's theirs, which is beautiful. But we so we did it was like I uh, wasn't being facetious you don't want to screw with that you don't want to let people down who love that and are coming to see this at the same time you don't want to um, just repeat the exercise or, yeah. or, 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 or use up that goodwill towards them and, and, and us as a team so so to do something at least equally as good but kind of different and sadder and, and, and odder was was what we hoped we'd be able to achieve and I, I think we
0: have yeah you absolutely have um i also you're definitely going to be up picking up various kind of you know medium-sized metal trophies over the next sort (laughs) of few months that was one of my happiest moments actually sorry one of my i'll go back then instead of going forward but one of my favorite moments was baftas for three billboards and i have to thank you actually because i think it was the third time you came in the room after you'd Picked up with the whole gang, yeah. You know all your all your kind of behind the scenes team, and and but then Sam and Francis came in. You dragged her in, made sure she came in because she didn't come in when she got the actress. <laughs> yeah, and she answered. You encouraged her to answer one of my questions. And yeah. thank you because that was a lifetime bucket list <laughs> thing to do as I feel like I've interviewed her, but you know, one question is enough.
1: Yeah. So you should have got you. a lifetime achievement award for getting <laughs> Frances to answer a question. <laughs> oh, she, um, I, I love Frances. I love that she's so, she just refuses. She just refuses yeah. to entertain, you know, mm. selling herself or, or uh, I mean, she's gorgeous and lovely but she hates me saying that about it she always wants to (laughs) put across this dark (laughs) dangerous angry edge um but yeah i'm glad i was able to help with that. thank you
0: um and thank you for this brilliant film it's just it's just absolutely glorious and it's brilliant to chat to you thanks so much martin
1: thanks edith great to see you again
0: From the score to the Banshees of Inesherin, that's Porrick Wakes, Driving Into the Rain by Carter Burwell. Rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Mr. Martin McDonough. Now, before I tell you what's coming up next week, a little word from my friends at Vintage Cash Count. Now, as you've heard me say already on this show, I love a cosy, clean home, especially heading into winter, decluttering, all that kind of stuff. And that's usually a pretty stressful task Nothing better than sticking on some music and just getting in there, cleaning out those cupboards, giving most of those drawers and nooks and crannies out of the light of day. Vintage Cash Cow makes selling your old valuables easy because you won't have to deal with selling items individually. Valuables will be reused, which is good for reducing waste and tackling climate change. All you need to do is fill a box with jewellery, cameras, coins, vintage toys, anything really, and post for free or arrange a collection. Within a week, you'll get a cash offer. If you accept, you feel better, knowing your unused things have become part of the circular economy. You'll have a more relaxing, spacious home and a clear head. Vintage Cash Cow has great reviews on Trustpilot and right now are offering listeners a £20 bonus with the code SOUNDS another reason to put some music on have a good old rummage and fill a box for Vintage Cash Cow today so if you feel inspired head to vintagecashcow.co.uk now enter the code SOUNDS on the sign up page and get £20 extra when you sell that's vintagecashcow.co.uk with the code SOUNDS My huge thanks once again to Martin for taking the time to talk to us. The Banshees of Inesheron is on general release now and really is a beautiful and original piece of cinema. Head to edithbowman.com if you want to hear my previous conversation with Martin and indeed my chat with Carter. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. And please do keep spreading the words about us among your friends if you like what you hear. You do not understand how much we appreciate it and how much we rely on it. Thanks in advance. Next up, there's never been a better time really to celebrate the music that has gone across 60 years of James Bond, particularly as we've bid farewell to Daniel Craig. And who better to do that than Mr. David Arnold, who has been so much part of The Sound of Bond for many, many years. And Mr. Matt Whitecross, who makes the most brilliant music films and documentaries. Matt's made a brilliant documentary called The Sound of 007. And Matt and David join me to discuss that and probably much more on next week's show. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then.